Good morning. May I recommend that you have your Bible ready? Philippians, that's where we will be. One of the cherished books in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, imprisoned at the time, wrote this letter to the Christians, to the local church at Philippi. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, this letter must have been well received. Encouragement combined with instruction and warning to the church in Philippi. Here's what I want to do with some of the content of the epistle Paul sent to the Philippians. I saw this sign, and it sparked a thought I want to share with you as we close out a year and head into another year. It is true of every single one of us in the year 2022, in fact, in the remaining days of this year and into 2022, we have options. The dictionary says that an option is a thing that can be chosen or not chosen. As long as we are alive, there is in each of us the capacity of choice, sometimes called free moral agency, and that means we have options, things that can be chosen or not chosen, choices we will have to make in the coming year. One reason we come here and open the Bibles is to firm up our faith and prepare us to make right choices going forward. Right choices and options in keeping with righteous living. It can be said there are options just ahead and the teaching in the New Testament can help us and warn us to make the right choices, take the right options presented to us ahead based on our devotion to God. So I'm going to draw upon this letter to the church at Philippi as I make these points about options just ahead. First, Rejoice or grumble? In Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, repeatedly he uses the word rejoice. Paul describes various adverse afflictions that he was going through, and then at the end of verse 18 in chapter 1, he says, Yes, and I will rejoice. Usually when people describe adverse circumstances, it ends at a grumble. Paul described adverse circumstances, and he ended that by saying, yes, and I will rejoice. Then in chapter 2 and verse 18, he wrote, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. 
In chapter 4 and verse 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I will say, Rejoice. Now, what impression do you get of Paul's state of mind, his emotion, his attitude? It's captured by the word rejoice. And what's behind that is he knew what he believed. He knew who he believed in. He had a firm grip on the hope of heaven. So far the apostle at this point in his life's journey, even under the adverse circumstances of being in jail, he rejoiced in the Lord greatly as worded in chapter 4 and verse 10. It needs to be obvious to me, obvious to you, Clear to all who read the New Testament, Christians have a source of joy that needs our attention every day. And our gratitude, and our reflection, and our perseverance. Now, this is not trivial, temporal pleasure or earthly happiness. This is the joy of knowing we are children of God, <clears throat> therefore blessed with knowledge and love and faith and joy, no matter the hard times and circumstances that surround us and press against us. As we continue to act on the knowledge that God has imparted to us, and as we follow Jesus Christ, there is a depth of joy that we can carry into every day, even though we don't know what's going to happen every day, and even though hard times are already against us. God is for us. We can choose the option of rejoicing. And we can keep this joy within us. There is another option. This joy I'm talking about isn't forced on us. This joy of salvation isn't some dry robotic theory or piece of data. You have to receive it and hold to it and attend to it every day in the course of your life. Paul words this as an imperative, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice, but there's another option. Grumbling. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul says, don't do it. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. You know, it seems to me, you don't really have to be taught how to grumble. It is an immature, useless reaction that may seem to just come naturally if we are not careful about our perspective. Have you ever wondered what would the letter to the Philippians sound like if Paul 
had been a grumbler. What would the letter to the Philippians sound like if Paul had been a grumbler, a complainer, an old grouch? It might have sounded something like this. This dungeon isn't very well kept. Housekeeping doesn't show up every day. The food is awful. Sometimes they don't even bring lunch. <clears throat> there is noise in this dungeon all the time. It smells awful. It is the stench of sickness and death that is all around me every day. I cannot sleep. I cannot converse with some of my brethren I need to converse with. I had plans to preach in other places. The Roman government is corrupt and detestable and incompetent, and this whole country has lost its way. The book of Philippians in the New Testament just wouldn't have the same impact on us if Paul had been a grumbler a whiner, a negative professor, protester of what is empty and what is dark and what looks bad and smells bad. But instead, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. So, I'm saying to us this morning, we have two options ahead in 2022 and the rest of this year. We can choose to rejoice in the Lord, appreciate all we have in Christ, and hold to the hope of heaven, or we can fill our minds, our tongues, and our relationships with grumbling. What'll it be? As long as we live, we will have these options and the joy of faith is obviously the better choice. I can look out for myself only, or I can also look out for the interest of others. I'm in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read first verses 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, <clears throat> any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. I believe the translation of this passage in the English Standard Version is authentic. Paul doesn't tell us to pay no attention to ourselves. In fact, Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. 
And Paul commended the Philippian Christians for their responsible manner of life. We are never called on in the New Testament to ignore our needs or the needs of our family. We are to be people of self-responsibility and maturity in our lives. But the call of the gospel is not just to take isolated responsibility for yourself, but to love your neighbor, be a servant of those who need you, look out for and respond to others. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he condemned those who were lovers of self in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2. If I just get locked into my life and my needs and my money and my desires and myself and my aches and my pains, that's a pathway away from people and away from God. Into a little dark world where narrowness and self-obsession closes you off from everything that is good from God and from others. And from hope. Here is the better way, the better option. Look also to the interest of others. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's the worthy option. Maybe it isn't wise to claim and embrace the popular adage, look out for number one. Jesus said something in Mark 12, 30 and 31, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, if these two options are ahead for me, what we need is a model of unselfish humility. Unselfish humility is described in verses 1 through 4. But what I need to make this clear to me is a model. I need an example of unselfish humility. Are you back in Philippians 2? I'm at verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The pathway forward for each of us and all of us as a group must include loving and serving others following the example of Jesus Christ.
Two options ahead. We can follow the pattern God has given to us or not. Remembering that every choice and option has attached to it some future consequence. In Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. I think we are familiar with verse 8 in Philippians 4. We may not be as familiar with verse 9. So I'm in Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, <clears throat> if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What things are to be practiced? The things delivered by Paul and the other apostles, that would be the pattern of life and work for the Lord that we have in this book. I believe, because I have read this in the New Testament, I believe the New Testament must be regarded as our standard. The pattern for how we live and how we work together in the local church. I believe that because God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, Hear ye him in Matthew 17, 5. I believe this because when those people became Christians on the day of Pentecost, <clears throat> Luke says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Acts 2, 42. I believe the New Testament is our standard because of what is written in the opening verses of Hebrews chapter 1. God now speaks through His Son. So where can I find what Jesus is saying but in the New Testament? I also believe the New Testament is our standard because of what Paul wrote here in verse 9. Listen again. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If I want the God of peace to be with me, I had better pay attention to what was revealed through the apostles. And going forward in my life, these options are before me and you. Either we follow what Paul and the other apostles reveal that we have in this book or not, remembering that every choice and option that we confront in the future has attached to it consequences or blessings. If we choose the option not to follow what the apostles reveal, we lose the God of peace.
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. All through Philippians and all through the New Testament, there are choices, consequences, options just ahead. If you've never been baptized as instructed in the New Testament, you can continue to ignore that instruction. Or, you can take your belief in Christ to confession, repentance, and baptism. Then you can embrace the joy of being a Christian, serving others as Christ did, being certain that in all that you do, the New Testament of Jesus Christ is your guide. If you need to respond to that invitation, please make that option known as we stand together to sing.